Hello, good evening, Pathfinders. Hope everyone is doing well today. You're jumping on. Let me know who's here tonight. Uh, it's exciting. Um, I'm excited about tonight. And just a disclaimer, I'm going to try to get through this tonight. Um, I have a little bit of a cold. Uh, this weather here is just insane, and it's just been driving my sinuses kind of crazy. So I'm a little nasally tonight, so I do apologize for that. Um, but you know, if you live in Alabama, this is what you expect. It is 70 degrees today and yet we're expecting snow tonight. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it's very interesting. You never know what to wear or anything around here. So it's going to be a, a, a fun morning tomorrow to see how cold it is. And if it actually did anything, um, the ground's too warm anyway to accumulate and keep but still 70 degrees today and snowing tonight um it's insane can't keep up with it so i hope everyone is doing well tonight i'm gonna wait just a few more minutes to allow some more people to come on but like i said if you're joining us tonight please drop in the comments who you are um I'd like to say hello to everyone and we're going to get started here in just a few moments. Like I said, just to allow some more people to jump on tonight. Hello, hello. Right. So if you've been joining us for these Fire Fridays these last few weeks, you know that we are in a series called We, we Need Truth. And I've been excited about the series because it's time for us to speak up, to speak the truth about the Bible, about God, um, and about the enemy's schemes. So the first week we did talk about what holiness was. And God expects us to be holy. Second week we talked about sin and that it's real. And, you know, we, we've got to realize that God does not want sin in our lives. And we talked about a few things that are sin that we have kind of allowed into our lives and justified those things and said that it's okay. Then the third week, we talked about sage and manifestation, which is some things that you know uh, we don't talk about. A lot of people don't understand what it is. And so uh, the last week, we talked about Christian mysticism and how we are allowing the New Age movement, the New Thought movement, and basically witchcraft to come into our lives, and we slap the name Christian on it. So if you'd like to check those videos out, please do. They are up on YouTube and the Path Pathfinders Ministries. You can check that out. And I ask that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. This helps um, get more content out there, you know, it, it, to share it and for more people to be, um, to see it when they are trying to look for, for it and to come across it. So please subscribe. You won't miss it. It's Pathfinders Ministry. The videos are also on Facebook. It might take you a minute to scroll through everything, you know, that I post to find those things. So the easiest way really is to get on YouTube and rewatch those. And then I will be uploading them as a podcast as well. And you can find that on iTunes um, or anywhere else that you get your podcast, Spotify, any place like that. They are up there. And these will be up there soon. I've just got to do some editing and make sure that they are in a good format for a podcast. So anyway, I'm glad that you are all on tonight. Again, I'm excited about tonight. This is something that I have taught before, not on Pathfinders, but at my church during our Wednesday night Bible studies, I was blessed to be able to have a three-week series on religious spirits. And so the first night we talked about Jezebel and what this Jezebel spirit is. So tonight, that's what we're going to talk about is Jezebel. 
And I do have notes and I do have an evaluation that you can read over and, you know, kind of see if any of these things are in your life. Um, because I believe in recognizing these spirits, especially if they are in our lives. And so we can renounce those things and we can get rid of those things. So a lot of times we don't believe that the enemy's real. We like to think that heaven's real, but not hell. We don't want to believe that Satan is real. Demons are real. And so we need truth, right? They are real. He is real. And demons are around us. And they are at work in our lives and in our country and just in everyday things. Even in some churches, demons are real and they are working. Um, sorry, I didn't know everyone could see my, oh, it's, it's fine. It's comments. It's not a big deal. Um, so demons are real and they like to be hidden. They, they, they hide in the shadows. They like to work in the dark. And so bringing them to light and speaking about them and telling people, Hey, these things are real. They lose their power because once you know that they are real, once you know that um, these demons exist, you can confront them and you can begin to see these things and they lose their power. So that's what we're going to do tonight is we are speaking uh, about these demons, about these enemies that are working and are very active. And so we can understand who they are, what they are. We can look for the signs of these demons actively working in our lives, and we can get rid of them through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's what we're going to do. Once again, um, if you were just jumping on, I do have a little bit of sinus issues, so it do sound funny. So I'm going to try to get through this. I'm hoping not to start coughing. Uh, I do have a cough drop in my mouth. So um, again, I apologize for the nasally sound that I have tonight, but we're going to get through it. Like I said, this weather has just got my head all messed up. So um, I know some of you probably can relate to that with pollen already in, in season and this weather being hot, cold, hot, cold. So just bear with me tonight. Pray for me tonight. Because I really want to get this out. Um, I, I believe that this is something that we all need to understand and to learn. So tonight, there's going to be a little bit of history, a little backstory. Because you can watch all the Jezebel videos on YouTube that you want to. And there's a lot of these teachings um, about the spirit of Jezebel. <coughs> excuse me. That don't go into the history of Jezebel. And I think it's important that we understand that first, because if we don't understand that first, we won't understand why she's active, why that spirit is active now um, and what that spirit does. So we are going to go through a little bit of history tonight. If you have any questions, please um, let us know. And yes, that link for the notes is, uh, is, is under my website. It's pathfindersministries.org. And you can go on the menu at pathfindersministries.org and tap on spiritual warfare. And under spiritual warfare, you will see the Jezebel uh, spirit link. Click on it. And there are two buttons, one that says notes and one that says uh, evaluation. So you can get those. I'll put that back on the screen there. Pathfindersministries.org under spiritual warfare, Jezebel. And then you'll see this study notes and the evaluation. <coughs> Excuse me again. We're going to get through this. Amen. We're going to make it through. Um, I might have to take a lot of drinks tonight, the short break uh, here and there, but we are going to get through this. I know that you guys are praying for me and um, oh, you froze. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm, I'm back. Uh, there's no telling. Yeah, snow's coming and all. Of course, the internet's going to be weird. All right. So let's just get right into it. All right. So Jezebel, very familiar character in the Bible. If you've read the Bible, if you've attended church, you've heard of Jezebel. She was a wicked woman. But what is her backstory? Where did she come from? 
how did she come into existence in the Israelite world into the Old Testament? So we are going to go to second, or excuse me, first Kings chapter 16, verse 21 through 28. Okay. And once again, you guys just bear with me. If you have any questions, please let me know. So first Kings 16 chapter, chapter 16, verse 21 says, then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ganath, to make him king, and half followed Omri. But the people who followed Omri overcame the people who followed Tibni, the son of Ganath. So Tibni died, and Omri became king. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri began to reign over Israel, and he reigned for 12 years. Six years he reigned in in Tirzah. He bought the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver, and he forfeited the hill and called, excuse me, forfeited. He fortified the hill and called the name of the city that he built Samaria after the name of Shemar, the owner of the hill. Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did more evil than all who was before him, for he walked in a way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And in his sins that he made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Omri that he did and the might that he showed, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Omri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria and his son Ahab reigned in his place. All right. So we see here we have this king named Omri. And see what happened? was Israel, after King David, after King Solomon, the, the, the nation of Israel split into the northern kingdom and to the southern kingdom. The majority went to the northern kingdom. And so they both each had their own separate kings. And one of the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel was Omri. And the Bible says that Omri did even just evil in the sight of the Lord. He brought in idols. He brought in things that were not of God. And he was trying to convince Israel to worship these idols. And so Omri um, becomes buddies with another king who was around the area of Canaan. Okay. Um, now they were trade buddies and of this, this, this country and they would trade lumber and they would trade dyes and they would, they would, you know, it was a good trade system. Okay. So this was actually first made possible by King Solomon seeing King Solomon had a friend named Haram and you can find this in first Kings chapter five. Um, he gave Solomon lumber from a country called Sidon because there was nothing like Sidonian lumber. It was the best lumber that anybody could could have. And, you know, uh, Solomon was trying to build the temple and he wanted the best of the best to build this temple of God. So he traded with his friend Hiram for this lumber. And in return, Solomon gave them wheat um, and oil annually. So it became this like little trade uh, peace kind of agreement, you know, a trade agreement between these two countries. But Omri is the one that came in and sealed the deal. Like it it was a a sealed thing. Like we were going to be 100% traders with this country. Now, how did he do this? Because the king of Sidon, he had a daughter and her name was Jezebel. And just like any other kind of medieval thing that we've, you know, watched or um, seen on movies or anything like that, we've learned in our history classes, a lot of times in order to bring peace to two countries, a uh, daughter and a son from those respective countries would join in marriage. That happened a lot with King of France and the the Queen of Scotland, you know, Mary Queen of Scots and the the King of France. They got married so that they could join have this union between the two countries. So this is basically what is happening: is Omri marries his son Ahab 
to the Sidonian king's daughter, Jezebel. They marry for a trade agreement so that they could continue their good favor with each other. All right. So that is what is happening here. This is how this is all beginning. And this is why Jezebel gets her foot into the Israelite kingdom. Okay. Just want to make sure that you guys understood that you knew that. Now, Sidon was the biggest, most important, and probably the oldest city uh, in this country of Phocinia. And uh, so they were very important. So, of course, they wanted to have some kind of union with this country. They were important. They had the best lumber. They had the best dyes. So they wanted something to unify them. Um, all right. So long story short, well, really not short. We're going to go into a little bit more backstory here before we get into what the spirit is. This actually began in Genesis. Okay. And I know a lot of my teachings go back to Genesis, um, but everything does go back to Genesis. If we read the book of Genesis, we can kind of figure out the rest of the story, to be honest with you. So this begins in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 18, talks about when Noah becomes drunk, he passes out and he's naked. And what happens during this story is that Ham, one of Noah's sons, comes into the tent and finds Noah naked. All right. Now, in this scripture, it identifies Ham. And I want you to make note of this. So if you're taking notes, which I really would love you to take notes, there's a lot going on tonight. What happens in this scripture of great significance is the Bible identifies Ham, the son of Noah, as the father of Canaan. Okay. So we need to keep that in mind that he is the father of Canaan. So Ham runs out. He runs out of the tent and he goes straight to his other brothers and he tells his brothers of his father's shame. Hey, dad's in this tent. He got drunk. He's now naked and he's passed out. Let's go in there and let's laugh at him. So the brothers, being better men than Ham was, they came into the tent backwards. So they were not to look upon their father's nakedness. And they covered him up because they did not want him to be exposed any further. So they did this out of respect and out of reverence for their father. So when Noah woke up and he had found out what was going on, he actually says in verse 925, uh, Genesis 925, cursed be Canaan. He cursed him and all of his descendants. And then we see, in Genesis 10, 15, that Canaan's first son, okay, Ham, the father of Canaan. So this is who we're referring to. Ham had a son named Canaan, and then Canaan's firstborn was Sidon, all right? So in Genesis, we notice that there are a lot of names that end up becoming countries. Why? Because Abraham was said to be the father of all nations. So his children and his descendants became fathers of nations. And what do you do when you're a father of a nation? You name that nation after yourself. So Canaan is a real place. And so Canaan named his land Canaan. So when he had a son, his son's name was Sidon. He named him Sidon. So Sidon was cursed from the beginning of Genesis. From the beginning of his life, from his birth, he was cursed because of what his grandfather did. Because of what Ham did to his father Noah. So we see right ahead, right, right, right away that the, the city of Sidon is a cursed city. Okay. Now, another son of Ham was named Cush, and his son was named Nimrod. Okay. If you know anything about Bible stories, especially as a, a young one in uh, Sunday school, Nimrod is the father of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel is a very familiar story for those who grew up in the, in the church. And it was some people that were trying to build a, a tower to heaven. And God was not pleased, so he confused the languages. And uh, 
Nimrod, who is another grandson of Ham, is the one who um, built this tower, who commissioned this tower. So again, cursed. God does not take his promises lightly. When he says something, God's going to do it, whether it's good or bad. So just remember that. I do apologize. Again, I got a cold. All right. So Sidon and Phineasia. This is actually modern-day Lebanon. So we've heard uh, over the last few years a lot about Lebanon in um, the news. Lebanon is a current city. It is one of uh, the worst cities in the world. Very violent. Very unsafe. Uh, all right. So we're going to go back to Nimrod here for just a second. So Cush, who was the fa- uh, a son of Ham, married a lady named uh, Samarimus. And Cush and Samarimus's youngest and favorite son was Nimrod. And this is where we see the spirit of Baal begin to be birthed here. Um, it is said, okay, whether this is true or not, this is just uh, what has been said through scholars and through folklore um, and things like that, is that Cush dies. And Samaris ends up marrying her son, Nimrod. Okay? You guys will talk about Alabama being weird. Um, Now, out of this, uh, like I said, the spirit of Baal is being birthed. And it's being birthed through perversion, through a false religion. Okay? And so, this perversion has now birthed a religion worshiping this Baal, this God is what they call him. And eventually we see this is where Jezebel comes from. Uh, At some point in the ultimate act of arrogance, Cush and Nimrod and Samarius declared themselves gods. They believed they were gods. Uh, Cush is said to have been Baal himself or Baal's father. Nimrod was also to have been Baal. So if Nimrod was Bel, then Cush was probably Bel's father, according to folklore. And Samarius became Ashtoreth, or the Queen of Heaven. And we will see, we see that in the Bible, uh, the name Queen of Heaven, uh, uh, quite a bit when we're talking about the Ashtoreth um, or Astra. She's got many names or different variations of names. Now, eventually, Cush was disgraced and his wife left him for her own son. Listen, perversion. She left her husband for her own son. Now, eventually, Shem, Nimrod's great uncle, Shem was one of the the sons of Noah that walked backwards and covered his father. He was a righteous man of God. He slew or killed his so-called immortal nephew to prove that he was not. In fact, Nimrod thought he was immortal because he thought he was a god. And much later, uh, we see in the book of Judges that uh, Shem sliced and diced Nimrod and sent his body to all the people who provoked them to righteous indignation and to sway them from their false worship. After this righteous slaying, Samarius, perhaps in an act of desperation to remain queen, conveniently becomes pregnant okay, and gives birth to another son named Tammuz who is said to be conceived divinely by Nimrod or Baal, because you remember he's supposed to be this god, and now he is Baal reborn, kind of like how Jesus was the son of God, and God, the word, became flesh. Uh, So now this son of Nimrod, who is the son of Samarius, had a kid, right? So weird. It's kind of gross, but this is how perversion is. This is how these spirits get born. These are how the demons um, infiltrate. These are how the de- demons become in existence is through these perverted acts. And so now we are seeing this weird set of events happening, okay? promise you I'm getting somewhere, and I know this is going to take a minute before we get into the meat of everything, but once again, wanted you to understand what I'm speaking about. All right, this story has been immortalized in Egyptian mythology. 
it was, you know, a product of, of Ham's son and Kush's brother. And look, it, it goes something like this. All right. The God Shem unjustly slays Nimrod. And I, these names in the Egyptian are Set for Shem and uh, Osiris for Nimrod. So the God Set unjustly say, slays Osiris and slices him up, scattering his body parts across the face of the earth. Osiris's loving mourning wife, Isis, who is also known as Samarius, finds all the pieces except one and joins them together with a magical golden phallus. Okay. It's crazy. And resurrects her love just long enough to conceive a child with him. All right. So this whole story is pretty messed up. And whether this actually happened, I cannot tell you yes or no. But there is some truth to this because we know that Sham did slay Nimrod. Um, and we know that perversion was going on during this time. So uh, we see this uh, kind of a type and shadow of having Jesus come and be born of God and be born of a Virgin Mary and being resurrected again. Um, same as Jesus who had been born of flesh, even though he existed in the spirit realm, I believe Satan was going to try to recreate this. Okay. Because we see in the book of Genesis that God, uh, curses Satan and says that there will be another born of a woman's seed that will crush you. And so I believe Satan here was trying to recreate what God had already put in motion. Because that's just like the enemy. He wants to take things of God, twist them around, and try to make his own in order to deceive us, and to convince us that his is the right way, his is the real way, and not God. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, which has been the, um, the, the, the motto of this series we need truth it's when adam and eve are or eve is in the garden and the the serpent comes to her and says did god really say he was already trying to convince her that god didn't say something or he meant something different so he's trying to twist the words of god and recreate something that um god has already ordained and we all know that it it's working like we are being deceived by the enemy every single day for the same stuff that has been happening thousands and thousands and thousands of years. All right. So the spirit has been operating long before the actual birth of Jezebel. Okay. And the reason why we call this the Jezebel spirit is because Jezebel is the first in the Bible that really um, identifies with the spirit. We can see it in the flesh with her story and so it's easy to call it the Jezebel spirit, even though the spirit's name is not Jezebel because she was not even born yet. But this spirit lived inside of her and she brought it into light for um, the nation of Israel to see. And yet they fell and, and, and didn't even notice what was before their eyes. They didn't even notice the enemy. Just like Eve in the garden, if she hadn't known that it was Satan who was trying to convince her to eat that apple, that fruit, uh, would she have said yes? If she had have known, and that's the reason why it is so important to make these things known, because there's a lot of demons in our life. There's a lot of things going on that that we don't know are demons because nothing has been brought to light about them. We are not telling people that these things are demons. So that's what we're doing tonight is helping you recognize these demons that are running our lives or in our lives or attacking us. Okay. All right. So back to first Kings, uh, Jezebel's father was a high priest of Baal. He was also the King of Sidon. Now Baal is supposedly known as the storm God. He controls the rain. He ensures agricultural fertility and bountiful harvest. So he is the God of farming, basically. He also controls lightning and fire. So he controls rain. He controls architect, uh, or, or, excuse me, agriculture. He controls lightning and fire. 
and life and death. He's very territorial. Okay. He's about the geography. Um, he is also known, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and say right now that a lot of us have been taught Greek mythology or know anything about Greek mythology or um, Egyptian mythology or any other nation's mythology. And they all have different gods that they worship. Like in Greek mythology, we know Zeus, we know Thor, you know, Thor is part of the Marvel world. Um, we, we've seen these names before. We've heard these names before and we slap the word mythology, like myth onto it because it, it's all fake, right? And we have been conditioned to believe that all of these things are fake. However, I'm here to tell you, I believe these things, these people, these gods existed. Zeus was real, but his real name was Baal. Further on, their real names are demons and Satan. So it depends on um, what culture you're in, you will have a different different interpretation of someone's name. So like in uh, Greek mythology, it's Zeus. And in another mythology, it's Marduk, Jupiter. Um, and in Israel, it is Baal. All right. So then we see Astra or Ashtoreth. And she is supposed to be the wife of Baal. She is the goddess of the sea. Um, she is also um, a fertility god. She is also known for many, or, or known by many names. And in Egypt, it's Hathor. In Greek, it's Aphrodite, which once again should be familiar to you. In the Roman world, it's Venus. In Mesopotamia, it's Ishtar. Um, so she has a variation of different names, again, depending on which culture you are living in. And she is the spirit um, that uh, is supposed to have been the wife of Baal. And she's always erected as a tree, like a, a, some type of vine or a tree next to Baal um, because he's the god of agriculture. And so therefore, his wife is going to be this beautiful tree. She's also represented as a dove. All right. See, this is where the enemy, it, 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 he, he's strategic and he tries to make you think certain things are of God when they are not. Because what else is represented as a dove in the Bible? The Holy Spirit. And so we are trying to recreate a spirit in place of the Holy Spirit. And yet it's not the same. One of them's evil and one of them is from God. All right. Um, so we see these symbols. And if you see any of these um, uh, statues, they are, they are overly sexualized. Okay. In fact, you can find astral uh, uh, statues on eBay and on Etsy and places like that. I, I, it's insane that the things that you can find, but they are overly sexualized. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but they um, are very seductive. And that's that's one of the, the many traits of this spirit is seductiveness. All right. So the construction of Samaria. We know Samaria. If we know anything about the Bible, Samaria is a town where Jesus goes and he's, he talks to the woman at the well. Now, Samaria and the Jews don't like each other. And that all stems back from First Kings with the splitting of the nation of Israel. Now, Samaria is a place where King Omri, like we read in 1 Kings 16, that he bought and he placed um, his kingdom, the northern kingdom's temple. So all the uh, architectural influences of the Samaria temple were from Sidon, were from uh, Phoenicia. This kingdom was supposed to be of God. It wasn't supposed to be defiled by false prophets. And so now its structure looks like the Canaanite structures. It looks like the false idols, the false religion, the false, false God. It looks like Canaanite. It looks like pagan. It doesn't look like God. It doesn't look like it was supposed to because it is 
being uh, constructed with foreign uh, architecture. So right there, we need to understand that we have to be careful what we allow into our lives, our relationships, everything, because if we are allowing certain influences from the world to infiltrate and build our Christian walk, then we no longer start looking Christian, but we start looking like the world. Amen. So we have to be careful who we allow speaking into our lives, who we allow building ourselves up, because there's some people out there that are of the enemy or have the world thoughts, and they're trying to get our lives and, and our relationship with God built on what they believe. So the only one true way to do that, uh, to build a relationship, is through Jesus Christ and through his word. So we have to be careful with that. Now, Jezebel, we're going to get into the meat here about what Jezebel actually is and what to look out for. So I hope you're okay with all that backstory there. But uh, Jezebel, we have seen, uh, or we're taught, especially as uh, a, a girl who was raised in the church, I was always taught that Jezebel was just a controlling spirit. She wore a lot of makeup. She just um, went around and was trying to seduce people. And that she was a woman, basically. And I can't tell you how many times or how many places we lived in there. My mom was called Jezebel because she wore makeup and jewelry. And so we have to understand that that is not what Jezebel is. Jezebel is not a preacher's wife or the woman sitting next to you who wears makeup. Okay. I am not Jezebel because I have earrings and makeup on. All right. This is a spiritual thing. This is not makeup. So she is not the woman in the church that is wearing blue jeans and makeup and has her hair all fancy. Okay. Um, so we got to get that out of our, our minds and our, our thought process. This spirit is a master type spirit. Okay. And when I say that, this is a very powerful spirit. Many scholars think that this spirit is actually the most cunning, intelligent, evil spirit that we can encounter. She's a high-ranking principality. So she is above a lot of other demons. She has lieutenants in her army that go underneath her that has specific um, roles to play. But she is basically the manager, okay? She knows exactly what she's doing, and she sends out her little, her, her little minions. But she is a master, and she is hard to get rid of most of the time because she is a very powerful spirit. Um, now Jezebel, the name Jezebel actually means not exhaust, exalted. So she is not exalted. She is um, something that we are not to worship, something that should not be put above anything else. Okay. So we're going to go into the characteristics of Jezebel, what to look out for and how to um, combat them, how to fight them, because I want to make sure that you guys know what to look out for, for this spirit. All right. So the book of Kings and what we're talking about here, we see that there's a prophet named Elijah. Elijah is an amazing man of God. He is a true prophet. He is uh, a, a guy that we read about that does many miracles. And we look at him and Elisha, who is his predecessor, as two of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. All right. So he is in this story and he meets Ahab, who is the king of Israel at this time and Jezebel's husband. And he finds out about Ahab and about Jezebel. And even the Bible says that Ahab did more wicked things than even his father or any king before him. So right there, we get this warning that these people are bad news and we do not need to mess with them. They are bad news. All right. So one of the prof or excuse me, one of the characteristics of Jezebel is she hates true prophets. She cannot stand men of God. She has murdered prophets of the Lord. Um, and she also wants to be a prophet. So if we aren't careful, 
we allow people in our lives who don't go to church or who, you know, are not living the right word or right lifestyle to be a Christian. And yet they're trying to speak into our lives because this Jezebel spirit wants to be a prophet. And she always hates when true prophets stand up and proclaim the word of the Lord. She's always trying to undermine or tell other people or gossip about people that uh, these, these prophets are wrong or, um, you know, she's always judging. She's always trying to uh, keep you from really listening to what God is saying because she wants to be the one that's speaking in your ear. She doesn't like true prophets because she knows that she can be exposed in true prophet. Um, she knows how to give false prophecies. She knows how to give false visions. Um, she... Uh, can actually preach better than some preachers, all right? Because she knows all the right words to say. She hates spiritual warfare and even tries to convince you that it's not real. So we have a lot of people out there that are trying to tell us that demons aren't real, that war is not real, that we are these Bible thumper, you know, charismatic people, hyper charismatic people that believe that the devil's behind every bush. No, I don't believe the devil's behind every single bush, but he is real and he is at fault for a lot of things that are going on in this world. Spiritual warfare is real, but she does not want you to believe it. She hates anything that's true about the word of God. She tries to um, lie to you and say, did God really say? She really wants you to not listen to the prophets of God, the preachers of God. Uh, now, the second characteristic is she is a master manipulator this lady can manipulate okay we see in first kings chapter 21 verse 1 through 16 this is a story about ahab wanting uh, a vineyard there was this nice vineyard next to the you know castle and he really wanted it and he goes to uh naboth who uh, owns this vineyard and he asks politely, Hey, could I have this? And Neva says, No, you cannot. So Ahab goes home and he cries and he's upset about it. And Jezebel comes in and says, What's wrong? And Ahab tells her, I wanted this, but he said, No. Well, she begins to tell him, manipulating now, you deserve this. You are king of Israel. You are the best. You are the mightiest. You deserve respect. You deserve honor. So everybody should give you everything that they have because you deserve it. Okay. So she's manipulating him to thinking that he is worthy of it all, that he is high above uh, everybody in the whole kingdom, that he deserves it all. And everybody should just bow down to him and give it to him. So she will tell you, this spirit will tell you that you deserve that calling. You deserve that leadership role, all right? You deserve that promotion over anybody else. And we begin to believe, hey, I do. I sing better than that person. I preach better than that person. I've been here longer. I deserve it. doesn't matter what God wants. God says, no. I want to put this person in that authority, in that leadership role. You're not that person that I want there. But yet we argue and say, but we deserve it, God. We've been living for you longer. We've been doing this longer. People are telling me how I deserve it. People are telling me that I need this, that I'm supposed to do this. And so that, that spirit starts getting into our system into our ears, into our minds, into our hearts. And it's they, we begin to be manipulated by the spirit, thinking that we're deserving of things that we are not deserving of. All right. So we have to be careful. We want our own crown, right? In fact, the Bible says in the last days, we will be lovers of ourselves. So we have to be careful because this spirit will uh, manipulate us into thinking that we deserve it and that it's about us and not about what God's will wants, okay? Now, the third thing is she is very controlling. Um, she needs another Ahab. She needs a weak person to control. Ahab was very weak. I mean, he did just go to the vineyard and when the guy said no, he came home and cried about it. So he was a very weak person. 
She uses weaknesses to gain control. We've, we all know that person who is friends with somebody who runs all over them. Okay. I've seen it too many times where you have this one person who just ruin or runs this other person's life um, and treats them like a dog. And, you know, it's always telling them how awful they are or, you know, just trying to make themselves feel better and to make themselves look better. You know, as women, uh, I don't know about you, but I, mean girls at school, you know, you always had that one girl who had a weak friend who she could make her do her bidding and it just made every, you know, her, what she thought made herself just look so much better and so much more popular than anybody. In fact, uh, we have also, we know of, of that term, the fat friend, where a skinny girl has a fat friend. So when they go out, the guys will be looking at her more because she's the, 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 the skinny one, the, the prettier one or whatever. And so we, we, we use those weak people to gain control um, over their lives and to make ourselves look better. So she's very controlling. So if you are in a relationship that is a very controlling relationship, if you see uh, someone in the church who is trying to control the atmosphere of the church, trying to control um, things that uh, they have no business controlling, that is a Jezebel spirit. We want to pray on the weak. We want to manipulate the weak. And we want to silence the true prophets, okay? Another characteristic is that she is imitating. I, just, I said that incorrectly. She is intimidating. Uh, we see in 1 Kings chapter 19 that she was so intimidating that she made Elijah scared, all right? Now, Elijah, just a couple of verses before that, we see that he calls down uh, fire from heaven and uh, it was just one talk with one when one asked God please you know bring this fire down so Elijah is um in confrontation with the Baal followers with their preachers with their prophets and once again Baal is supposed to be the god of fire okay now he's also supposed to be the god of rain and the the storms uh but yet Israel had been in a drought for three years. So where was this God at? You know, that's one thing we should ask ourselves. The next thing we should ask ourselves is when the prophets of Baal asked for fire to come down from their God, Baal, no fire came. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed to Baal, but no fire came. So if he's supposed to be the God of fire, where is he? Where is this fire? Well, Elijah steps up and he saturates the wood on the altar. He tells them to pour water on it. And then he says, God, send your fire. And immediately the wood was burnt up, showing them that our God was the one true and only God. Okay, so this is a man who was a prophet of God, who did mighty, mighty miracles, who just literally called down fire from heaven. Yet when he got word that Jezebel was after him, he ran. Because this spirit is intimidating. She is powerful. Don't know what makes her so powerful, but she is. And so just the thought of, 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 of Jezebel wanting to kill him, to get rid of him, sent him fleeing into the, to the hills, into the caves, into the mountains. He was scared and terrified for his life. In fact, he actually prayed during this time to God for God to kill him. He was that terrified. So the man who just called down fire from heaven is now running and hiding from this Jezebel. This spirit is intimidating. It will scare you into thinking uh, that you're not good enough. It will scare you into thinking that God's not real. It will scare you into thinking all kinds of things. We have to watch out for this because she is a powerful manipulator. She is a controlling spirit and she is very intimidating. Um, now, the next part we're going to get into, please make sure there are no children around uh, when we get into this because this is getting a little bit uh, into some adult 
manner some adult themes here okay um this spirit is very seductive um as i mentioned before these statues of Baal and of astra are very overly sexualized um you see these uh statues and most of them of astra have oversized breasts and the prophet or the Baal statues have uh extremely large penises because they are wanting to seduce you all right um so these things are meant to capture your eye to draw you in and to capture you okay um so we're going to be talking a little bit about that as soon as my daughter actually leaves the room because i yeah, got a lot of things that i need to talk about here um so um they wanted people to desire something besides god that was the whole purpose of this they wanted something to desire so jezebel spirit is about sexual perversions um we see that in her birthing place in that spirit's birthing place between nimrod his mother and the son that they conceived together in an act of perversion the spirit is birthed and so she is a spirit of perversion um now i know that um there are some churches out there that i've seen this in where we have allowed certain things to go on in our churches and we've justified them and said it's okay um but we have this in our churches and in our in our lives and and, and we this world has made it okay it seems okay if you just love somebody it's okay to do um everything will you know it, it, it's it's all right but sexual perversion is a sin and so we've got to step away from it but this spirit wants us to be seduced it wants us to be drawn away um from the things of god um <coughs> excuse me even in the garden of eden we see that eve was seduced by the serpent when you know he told her he said it'll make you like god and she just found that interesting and it even says that she looked upon the fruit <coughs> excuse me guys <coughs> and she looked upon the fruit and it was beautiful it was about that vanity it was about that seduction of the fruit and what it could give her and what it could bring her according to the serpent so we see this uh even in john the baptist day we see that herod um had his wife's daughter dress provocatively and come to him and dance before him in a sexual manner and it pleased him so well that he said what can i give you what do you want for this and she said i want john the baptist head on, on a platter so we see that the spirit is working even in the new testament um now one of the things that we see in seduction is and a perversion of sexual perversion is sex outside of marriage it is wrong it is a sin no matter how you look at it all right now i've had friends that said that uh you need to have sex with somebody to see if you're compatible with them before you get married well guys that's just a load of crap okay because if god ordained a marriage you're going to be compatible uh adultery is a sexual perversion it's sex outside of marriage for one thing but it's sex outside of your marriage and it will kill that marriage same-sex marriages homosexuality is wrong no matter what way you look at it it is wrong because marriage is between a man and a woman so if same sex can't get married and be under the influence of god and be ordained by god and so if you don't get married you're still having sex outside of marriage um the war on gender is a sexual perversion nobody knows what they want to be any longer we're not allowed to tell somebody that they're a girl or a boy it's just ridiculous uh rape and incest and molestation molestation i can't even talk tonight molestation orgies orgies were a big part of bell worship they um had orgies and had really they had spiritual awakenings during these things because there was a lot of um incense burning to gods to the false gods uh which basically are demons and they had 
these rituals that they would perform during these orgies. And so it was opening themselves up and you will see this in witchcraft and the new age thought and the new age movement. Uh, there's a lot of these things that uh, open up these, the spirit world and the spirit realm because of the perversion that's happening and the, the rituals that are happening during this time. So orgies, you know, sexual perversion. And it was a very spiritual thing that they were, they were using to worship. They were worshiping Baal by doing orgies. Um, masturbation, another spiritual, uh, or excuse me, another uh, sexual perversion. It ruins marriages, guys, because you think that if uh, you, well, I will say masturbation, the root word is, is master. Okay. You think you're master. And so you can be good to yourself and please yourself that you don't need the intimacy between your spouse and it kills the marriage bed. And that is one thing that she wants. She wants um, you to be drawn away from that intimacy and from your spouses and from your families. And that's the reason why uh, uh, pornography is so bad because it is, it is a sexual perversion as well, but we, we, we seem to look at things because we're visual. Remember the poles, remember that the statues, we are, we are visual people. And so when we see these things and like pornography, then we begin to masturbate. And all of a sudden we realize we don't need our spouses any longer, but you know, we, our imagination goes wild. Everything goes crazy. Another is abortion. Uh, now they might not necessarily had committed abortions then, but they did offer children as sacrifices. Okay. And what's crazy about this is Astra is supposed to be the fertility God. And yet in order to have good fertility, you sacrificed your children. And I don't know how that makes sense, but according to them, it does. I mean, come on guys, we got to think that this stuff doesn't make sense. Then that it, it's probably not right. It's probably not good to do, but they would sacrifice their children. But it's also not just a seduction of the sexual perversion. It's a seduction of just the mental. Like she seduces you into thinking, especially right now, we don't need to go to church. We can watch stuff online and it'll be okay. Um, we don't need the church family. You know, we don't need all of this. We can be enlightened and we can get closer to God by doing certain things in our homes. We can burn sage. We can practice manifestation. We can use crystals and tarot cards to prompt our daily prayer habits. She seduces us by giving us these new things that look Christian, but aren't Christian. And we are just being entrapped by all of this, all this stuff. And we justify it. That's the bad thing. We justify it. Oh, guys, I mean, we've got to have discernment. We have got to understand that these things are real and the enemy is trying to entrap us. The next characteristic is she's emasculating. We see in 2 Kings 30 that she is on a rooftop in her balcony and she's surrounded by eunuchs. Now, eunuchs are, are men who have been uh, castrated. So they have no reproductive organs. Um, and this is because they were allowed to be around the queen without the king feeling insecure or scared that anything was going to happen with the queen's servants because he knew that nothing could happen because they didn't have any body parts to happen with. Um, but this spirit of Jezebel is very emasculating, not just to men, uh, but just, I know emasculating is, is, is male in its origin, but she is, like I said before, the, the, the war of this gender, you know, we don't know for boys or for girls or if we're they's or them's, uh, because we are trying to break down what it is to be a man and what it is to even be a woman these days, the women's movement. I mean, we, I'm all for it. Thank God I can vote. Thank God I can go to work. Thank God I can wear blue jeans. Okay. But along the line, we have allowed the women's movement to be a crutch on uh, 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 or, or a defense on how men just suck, right? Where we want to be the head of household instead of the man being the head of household. We don't want to submit to our husbands the way, you know, he has to submit to Christ. 
but we want to run things and we want to talk bad about our spouses. Guys, if you're talking bad about your spouses, stop it. I don't care if it's true or not. Stop talking about it. Don't talk about it on Facebook. Don't talk about it on Instagram. Don't talk about it to your coworker. If you have an issue with your husband, if you can't talk to him, find you a, a good pastor, a good mentor that you can talk about, not gossip, but bring forth a problem to discuss and see where you can be helped. Go to God in prayer about it, but stop talking about your husband. All right. One of my all time hatred of a TV show is everybody loves Raymond. Now it was funny for the most part, but I hated the way that Deborah treated Ray hated it. You know, she would, she was at working. She was the one that was head of the household chores and things like that. And when he would come home, she would yell at him for this or that and make him feel stupid. And that happens a lot in TV shows that we've, that I've noticed that, the man, the father figure is just an idiot. And the woman is the only one that can do anything right. We are emasculating men. And we wonder why men don't want to go to church. We wonder why men just want to sit around in their underwear. Okay. Because we have allowed that to happen. Guys, it is time to be men again. Women, it is time to let your husbands be men. All right. So she does emasculate men. She cuts off their productive organs. Uh, so that they cannot be productive. And that's what she's doing in a church. She's trying to emasculate female and, and male. She's trying to cut off our productive organs so that we uh, cannot be productive in the church, that we cannot be productive in the spirit. And so she is doing all of these things with the controlling, with the manipulation, with intimidation, with seduction to outside things. And, and she tries to prophesy to us, um, Guys, that's what her ultimate goal is, goal is, is just to emasculate each and every one of us, to cut off our, re excuse me, again, our reproductive organs. So we have to be careful um, about allowing her to do that. Now, she's also mentioned again in Revelations 2.20 when uh, there, John is talking to the Thyatira church and he says, you know, you've done all these good things, but the spirit, but you've allowed that spirit of Jezebel. You've allowed that woman Jezebel to come in and seduce you. It's happening today. It's not just a first Kings, second Kings thing. It is a real life thing today. We can preach good. We can sing good. We can do all these things. Great. And according to pretty much what the word of God says, but where's the anointing? Are we allowing this Jezebel spirit to come into our lives? Are we being controlled by a Jezebel spirit? You know, who are the people in our lives speaking to us? Who are, are the, the spiritual mothers that we have? Are they really telling us the things that we need to hear or telling us the things they want us to hear? Um, how are we treating our spouses? How are we treating uh, our intimacy in our marriage? How are we listening to manipulation? I mean, we have to think about all of these things because the spirit is real and she is controlling and she is a master spirit, okay? We have got to understand that she is real and we have got to get rid of her because there is no room for her. There is absolutely no room for this spirit in our lives. We have to get rid of her. Um, I did an evaluation Th for for the class that I was teaching. And I am going to share my screen real quick. You can find this on the website. I will put this on again, like I said. Uh, but here is an evaluation that you can see. I hope you can see it. Uh, it says it's sharing. But it was a list of questions that you can check off to see if you are being influenced by Jezebel spirit or if you have a Jezebel spirit attached to you. Uh, you like to play the victim. You know, you don't want to admit to being wrong at all. You want to take credit for everything. You want to be in the spotlight. Um, do you use people? Do you use people to get your own agenda? All right. So these are some things that, like I said, you can find these on the website. And uh, I will make that link here in just one second. Let me put that up for you. <laughs> Here we go. You can find those on the website, There's the notes to this teaching and the evaluation. But 
we have to realize that the spirit is real. We have to realize that she is working in our lives and in our lives and in the church's life. And it's got to be stopped. And we have to bring these things to light because if we don't, she's just going to continue to get more powerful and more powerful. But as we speak, I believe there's some people that are watching that are realizing, hey, I've got this on me or I'm, I'm listening to these things or these this person, this spirit is attacking my life or it is trying to seduce me. Um, and there again, there are some people that are listening. They're probably going, oh, crap, I do that. I've allowed this spirit upon me because, guys, you're not alone. I've been there. I've allowed the spirit to talk to me and allowed the spirit to to give me advice in my life. And it did not end well. So. I encourage you, go to my website, get that evaluation, get the notes, read through everything. If you have questions, if you need prayer, if you need um, anything, just reach out to me because this is what this is for. This is not just to give you truth or to give you a lesson. This is to help you in your life. Um, so I, I love you guys. I'm so thankful for you guys. Um, again, check out other videos on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you would like to donate, you can donate. You can find uh, the Vimbo and the Cash App. And I also, you can go to the Square page. It's it's uh, going to be up on the on the Facebook website. You can, there's a link on Facebook to that. You can donate to Pathfinders Ministries. We do appreciate everything that you can do. Um. I love you guys. I thank you so much for joining tonight. And I hope that you have a wonderful, safe Friday night. Uh, enjoy this cold weather that's coming in and this possible snow that we're going to have. Um, I love you guys. Thank you for being a Pathfinder.